So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Welcome to episode 15 of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, and today we have with us Brian Cavaricci, and we're going to be talking about not just staying busy within our business, but actually creating a productive, sustainable, and successful business and using our time wisely. Brian is founder of Sprouting Photographer Podcast, uh, rated by iTunes as one of the best in 2014. He's a speaker at WPPI, as well as a number of other conferences. He was named one of the top 25 most inspiring wedding photographers by Wedding Bell Magazine, and in the same year awarded Craftsman by Photographic Arts by the PP. OC. He just launched a brand new studio management software called Sprout Studio. You guys, we're going to jump into this conversation with Brian. Brian, welcome so much. Uh, thanks for joining the Six Figure Photography Podcast. It's been it's been a little while since I've had a chance to talk to you, maybe a couple weeks or so. Uh, I think I was on your podcast here recently, and this is just uh, great to have you on. You're a busy man. You've got your hands uh, in a lot of projects, a lot of really amazing, exciting things. We're going to talk about some of those, but just I just wanted to extend a great welcome to you, man. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's kind of fun when the tables are turned. I'm used to interviewing photographers, and so to be the interviewee uh, definitely puts an interesting spin on things. I know it's very like uh, I, I tend to like self evaluate. You know, when I get a chance <laughs> to interview other people who are really polished, uh, or or vice versa, I'm always like, man, how did I do? Um, <laughs> anyhow, on the topic of of self evaluation, though, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is is going into a new year and and. And fresh beginnings, fresh starts. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this. It's the perfect time for it. And here we are. We're, we're not quite into January. Christmas is around the corner. And it's not too early, though. It's it's absolutely not too early to be thinking about this kind of stuff. And so, uh, I mean, do you agree with that? Do you, do you agree that it's not too early? You know, I, I think the end of the year and the beginning of another new year uh, is sort of a natural point for a lot of uh, people, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a photographer or not, it's just a natural uh, point where you can kind of reflect back on what you did the year that just passed and then kind of plan and adjust what you want to adjust for the year that's coming. 
And yeah. so I think, you know, in doing that, I mean, that's why we have these big things about New Year's resolutions. That's why gyms are really busy first thing in January because everyone makes a commitment to make a change. Uh, the difference is obviously making a commitment to a change and then sticking to the commitment to actually do it because if you go to the same gym in March, I'll bet there's 10% of the people that are there. But I just think this time of the year is a great time to look at what we're doing in our lives, look at what we're doing in our business, make some strategic decisions about what went right, what went wrong the previous year, and how we want to adjust ourselves both professionally and personally moving forward into the next year. So help guide us a little bit on this, because I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, our business here, both Style and Story Creative and Six Figure Photography, you know, we're going through this kind of reevaluative state. I don't know if that's a, I just made up that word, reevaluative. Sounds good to me. You like that one? I do. Um, and so coach us a little bit. What are some of the, um, the like core aspects of, of our business, and maybe even if you want to talk about personal life, that you feel like deserve uh, attention as we're, as we're looking into the next year? Well, so I think one of the things that I really like to establish early on is the idea that like as solopreneurs, which is what I really like to call us as photographers, I mean, we are uh, entrepreneurs, but a lot of us are running businesses where it's like it's one of us or two of us at most. And so really, um, our self-development um, and our ability to be the best version of ourselves and to improve who we are personality-wise, relationship-wise, that has a direct impact on our business. So we are our business and our business is us. And so I think when we talk about the idea of personal development, I think it would kind of be a, a mistake to say, well, it, you know, or a mistake to not say that if you develop yourself personally, your business will also grow, therefore. Um, and so one of the things that maybe is very timely for this, this you know, particular season is as you're gathering with you know, friends and family over the holidays, you're going to be having many conversations. And in those conversations, you'll probably see maybe a cousin or an aunt or a friend or someone you haven't seen for a while. And they're going to say, hey, How's business going? Because you kind of do small talk at first. How are things going? How's the weather? Where's the snow? What's going on? At least that's what we do here in Canada. And uh, you know, we 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 have that thing where it's like, okay, what's the icebreaker? And to dive a little bit deeper, and every, you know, if people, your family and your friends know that you're a photographer, they're going to say something like, well, how's business? How's how's photography going? Uh, are you busy? Or maybe you'll answer that by saying, oh, things have just been good. I've just been so busy. With things and, and sorry, I haven't called. I've just been I've just been busy. Um, you know, so I, I've been meaning to go to this thing, or I've been meaning to do this thing, or yeah, the holidays. It's just a busy time of the year. It's busy, 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 busy. And I want you to catch yourself in saying that because the sort of core of this conversation in self development and in improving uh, your outlook and being the best person you can be for your business and for your clients is really becoming self-aware of our relationship with time and our relationship with how we um, split up our attention and how we prioritize what we want to be doing in our life. And I think that we live in this, what I call a lie of busy. We live in this society and this culture and in this um, space where busy is almost in a way glorified. It, it, it's something that we use and we wear it as a badge of honor. It's almost like a status symbol. I mean, I can't, I, I can't think of 
in most social, social situations, if someone were to ask me, hey, Brian, how's business? If I were to say, oh, you know, things are going really well. I was on vacation last week. And the week prior to that, I actually only worked three days a week. <laughs> and I just have so much flexibility and freedom. I get to spend a lot of time with my daughter. It's just a lot of fun. And I'm just really enjoying it. What would they think of me if I said that? They'd be like, well, A, you sound lazy. B, are you not successful? Because we equate busy to being successful. And that's not the case. I mean, I I don't know many photographers that got into photography because they wanted to feel like they were a slave to their business or they wanted to feel like they couldn't get out from being behind their computer. And so I'm sort of on this mission right now, and you can probably hear like how excited I am about this. It's the (laughs) idea that that let's stop glorifying busy. Let's stop treating it as an excuse or as a means of justification. And instead, let's take control of our life. Let's take ownership of our time. Because when we say we're busy, what we're really just saying is I'm a victim to the boundaries and to the lifestyle that I've designed for myself and I don't have control. And I want to encourage photographers to take control and with some very simple ideas and some techniques and some mindset shifts, you can actually get more done in less time and have a much more uh, at ease mindset and have balance back in your life. And I think that's really why we all got into being an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's funny. You, you bring up these stories about like talking to like friends and family about, you know, how things are going. And as a wedding photographer, a lot of the wedding photographers out there listening, we're in the situation where we're heading home for like the holidays or whatever. And actually, thankfully, I don't have a wedding, you know, again, to like May or something, you know. And right. I tell them, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they, like, you guys, this is great. I don't have a wedding until May. And they just look at me like, oh, no, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you, you're things aren't going well for you and i'm like no it's this is a really good thing anyhow so okay so you're you're talking about you're talking about like a mindset shift here and and i'm sure with this the mindset shift has has to like lead the way and then from there there are there are specific business choices systems you can introduce um delegations that can be made but let's let's still focus on this mindset shift that you're talking about because i think it's really hard like you're saying it's really hard uh to break free of it, you know, like so often we find so much, uh, in a way like self-worth with just like mm-hmm. always just doing something, you know, just like keeping busy going on, on Facebook and checking our likes and rechecking our email, you know, like, uh, re-editing an image or learning more and more about things that won't necessarily bring in more business. <laughs> Anyhow. So w- what are some of these mindset shifts that we can begin? to 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 make well i think one of the things uh first is it's important to i guess just understand and accept that we sometimes well not sometimes a good amount of the time we don't have as much control of ourselves as we think that we might Hmm. um there's been study after study that has gone into these um you know uh focus groups and, and studies and research items around the idea of habits and what we do on our subconscious mind versus our conscious mind. And it's actually been proven that the average person um, spends just under 50% of their time thinking about something other than what they're currently doing. So if you're editing a wedding or if you're driving somewhere or if you're whatever in a meeting, most people 
at least 50% of the time are thinking about and, and consuming and having their minds distracted about something other than what they're currently doing. We have what's called wandering mind syndrome. We have this idea of, of we're kind of all over the place. And I think you know, social media and technology certainly hasn't helped with that. But added on top of that, uh, 40%, at least 40% of the actions that we make, the decisions that we make, the things that we do on a day-to-day basis are subconscious. Uh, we are on autopilot for a good part of our day. Uh, these are what we call habits. And I think if you really take stock of what you do during a day, everything from brushing your teeth to uh, getting dressed to coming into your office to getting, sitting down at your desk to editing to what you do on your computer, a lot of what we do is just a habit. It's a routine. We just become used to doing something. Um, I, know, I know myself. I've caught myself. I'll sit down on my computer and I have keyboard shortcuts set up for like – opening my email and opening Facebook and opening uh, Slack for our team communication and stuff. I've caught myself, I'll sit down on my computer and before I even note it, notice it, I'm in my inbox. And I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> like, how, how, did I, how did I literally, like I came in here with a cup of coffee ready to write an article and I'm in my inbox. How the heck did that happen, right? It's Can like, I tell you a quick story about this? Because yeah, I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's really bad for me. There'll be times where like, <laughs> I'll sit down at my, my computer and I look up and I apparently have opened up Facebook. And I'll be like, what the heck? And so I'll close it <laughs> and I'll like grab a cup of coffee. And then I sit down at my desk again and I've reopened Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, why? why opening? <laughs> it's, just, it's like you're right. Those, it's like the quick little, uh, you know, um, memory that is, it just yeah. like happens anyhow. It's it's just these. It's like a habit. It's a routine that that we just do subconsciously, and that's where everything needs to start changing. Hmm. We need to we need to take stock of what we're doing, and we need to be aware of these habits that we have because unless you're aware of them you can't change them you can't change something you don't know that you have and so we need to kind of become uh, conscious we need to we need to move what we normally do automatically and move it into our consciousness so that we can become aware with it and then we can stop ourselves like if I was and this is something I've been practicing now for weeks in this process of trying to teach photographers how to what we're calling redefine busy. We want to help photographers get away from that busyness. And so in the process of, of me researching and developing the system, um, I've been practicing it myself. And in becoming aware of these things, when I sit down on my computer now, I, I, I am I'm becoming aware of what I'm doing. And as I sit at my computer, I'm saying – don't open email, don't open email, don't open email. And it sounds almost in a way silly because um, we've become addicted to doing these things without even realizing it. You know, if, if you were to see somebody on the side of the road with a needle poking out of their, their arm, you would say, oh my gosh, like drug addict, like that's, that's pretty sad. Yet we often don't really point the lens back at ourselves and say, well, what are we addicted to? What are we doing subconsciously? What are we obsessively checking, obsessively doing that we don't even know we're doing? Um, and I think that's that's the thing is we need to become aware of it. And in becoming aware of it, there's some certain patterns that you can look out for. There's a few things that uh, I've talked about in the past that um, one of them is called be aware of what I call the false rush, which is basically um, when you find yourself rushing to do something or rushing to get somewhere or in a frantic state mm-hmm. without actually needing to be in that state. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, if you drive into work or if you drive anywhere, driving to a shoot – do you sometimes find yourself 
behind someone that's driving slower than maybe you would like to be driving and you're kind of frantically like tutting at yourself and trying to change lanes to get around them when you look at your your watch and you're saying but I'm I'm not running late like I don't I don't need to be rushing I don't need to be in a frantic state yet I've just put myself in a frantic state because I'm giving myself this sense of false rush um, there's I did some research on this idea of uh, of elevators and it, it sounds so funny but Ben what do you think is the most replaced part of an elevator uh, the the door close button. <laughs> Did you read my article? No, I didn't. I just I'm just picturing myself rapidly pressing the door close right. button, and right. it never. I, I swear it's a placebo effect. It does nothing. It's like the cross the street button that you press to like try to get the lights to switch, and it doesn't do jack. Anyhow, so what if I were actually to tell you that 90 percent of elevators made since like the 1990s, the closed door buttons don't do anything. Ah. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> There's been, in fact, the closed door button is only there for the person that's there to repair the elevator. When they have their key in it, they can override the default settings of how the door closes. That's the whole point of it. But they just keep it there without any indication of whether it is uh, a placebo button or not, because they just there's no point in, in going through all that. But but that therein lies my point, where it's like the closed door button is the most replaced part of an elevator yet it doesn't do anything yet why do we feel the need to hit it and hit it again and hit it again and hit it again because we're in this state of hurry of a rush of being frantic about things Mm -hmm. and that is one of the things that i want to inspire and and, and coach photographers to become aware of because when you're in that state it, it puts yourself in a negative place of mind it puts yourself in that mode of being frantic and hurried and rushed and you're not really going to be um, making the most impact in conversations if you're being that way you're not going to be most creative if you're being that way you're not going to be able to be the best version of yourself if you're putting yourself in that frantic state of mind yeah brian i I totally relate to you and i want to even take it one step further because at my worst uh times when i'm in this uh, frantic state right where i'm wanting to feel that satisfaction of of busy of rush of of like uh, i guess accomplishment in a way Mm -hmm. uh to take it a step further if i look around me again i'm thinking of of my worst times if i look around me and i and i see other people uh let's say that i'm on a wedding day and my second shooter doesn't have that same sense of urgency or if i'm driving to a wedding and i feel like maybe i'm a little behind and my wife's in the passenger seat and i and i am sensing that she doesn't have that same like i want people around me to also feel it and i almost try to like drive them into that state with me does that make yes, sense totally and, everyone uh, everyone does that it's not just you it's, okay, it's, 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 it's the state of of wanting others and, and it's it comes from a place of empathy right we want others to feel the same way that we feel hmm. and uh th- there's this concept that i've really c- kind of you know researched and, and really acknowledged um in my own life but also in in helping teach other photographers about these concepts um we all have this narrative that plays out in our head. It's and, and we actually have like a narrator. There's a person and this person is speaking in our own voice in our head. <laughs> you know, of course everyone's crazy has voices in their head, but this is an actual <laughs> voice that's in their head, right? And it is narrating what happens in our lives, what happens on a day-to-day basis. The thing in in that whole idea is that in this narrative, in this story that we tell ourselves, we're the hero. 
we're playing the role of the hero in our stories Mm -hmm. and no one else is the hero like we're the hero and that's why we find ourselves in this place of oh my goodness i'm so stressed i have all these things going on uh please feel and share this sorrow with me because you can't possibly understand how stressed i am you can't possibly understand how difficult this is for me how worried i am how busy i am and that's why you get into these sort of comparative conversations when you're seeing someone you haven't seen for a while and it's like oh how busy have you been well let me explain to you how busy i am and then the next person's like oh yeah you think that's busy let me tell you what i've been doing i'm even busier and i'm even more this and i'm even and i've been bigger greater and and whatever and and we get into this place of comparison because we think that no one else gets it like we do and yet when we all think that way it's, it's impossible to ever make that all come true so we try to have others share in that state of mind that we're in hmm. and so you know that pro- i mean just just the process of becoming aware of when we do this like next time you're driving and you're finding yourself rushing around stop yourself and say do I really need to be rushing right now? Do I really need to be in this frantic state? Most of the time, you don't have to be. Next time you go and press that elevator close button, do you really have to be, you know, do you not have three seconds? Because even if it does work, it only saves you about two or three seconds on older elevators. Is really, like, do you need to put yourself in that frantic state, even if it's for a split second to save you a couple of seconds? I don't think it's worth it. And I think that when we can put ourselves in a more peaceful and calming state of mind, not only are we better people for ourselves and our mental health is in a much better place, but we can be better for those around us. We can be much more creative. We can make much more informed decisions. And we're just going to be living a much more fulfilled life because we're not constantly putting ourselves in these ebbs and flows of negativity. Hmm. I can already picture myself driving home from work today and I'm just going to slow down and say, Brian said to relax. (laughs) I'm just going to think about that. Brian said to relax. So, okay, Brian, one of these things that you're talking about then is it's like a, it's a, a strategy of just like, is it as simple as recognizing it and talking ourselves through it? Mm -hmm. Um, is that it? Is there is there more that that we can be doing in a very like? It's funny because I'm like, is there something that we can keep ourselves busy doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it's the opposite, right? I mean, I think it's it's we don't need to replace busyness with anything. We need to replace busyness with our awareness of uh-huh. busyness, and then give ourselves the time to actually slow down. And it's it's interesting because oftentimes and Ben, let me I'll ask you the question I guess directly. Have you ever um, had a day of work where you've just been you've been busy all day? You've had a lot going on. You've been answering emails and editing weddings and doing all these things and podcasting and and doing whatever and and you feel like you're being productive all day long. But then at the end of the day, when you look back on your day, can you can you say with certainty, this is what I accomplished today? Or do you sometimes get to the end of the day and say, wow, I was busy all day, but I don't really remember what I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I feel like each week is probably full of uh, 50-50 of those. You know? right. It's like right. sometimes I come home and I'm just like, I know that I was at work for like nine hours and I have no clue what I did, but I know I got a ton more to do tomorrow. Right. And there's some days and I come home and I feel like... I, like let's just let's just take the day off tomorrow and go see a movie because I have accomplished everything. <laughs> well, and that's just it. Oftentimes, when we're in our workday, when we're when we're in the work, when we're kind of in 
the grind of it all, um, we feel like we're being productive because we're doing something. We're we're taking we're taking motion, right? But oftentimes, doing something doesn't necessarily mean doing the right thing. And there's this quote that I love to use when describing this, and it's the idea of don't mistake motion for progress. It's a huge distinction. A rocking horse can be in motion all day long, yet a rocking horse never moves anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we find ourselves doing this busy work where we're feeling like we're taking motion. Maybe we're tinkering with a website. Maybe we're on social media. Maybe we're watching a video. Maybe we're listening to this podcast. Whatever it is, we feel like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing work. I'm really, I'm really in there doing things. But then are you actually doing anything that you should be doing? Are you actually doing things that are meaningful? Because if you waste time doing busy work, when is the important work going to get done? Yeah. Either it's not going to get done or you're going to be working your evening to get that done. Or you're right. going to be working overtime the next day. And that's when we get to this point where you work 80 hours a week and yet you really only get 30 hours of meaningful work done. Yeah, so my next question then is how do we how do we like define what is the busy work and what is the meaningful work? And I know that uh, depending on your niche and that kind of stuff, there, there may be differences, but maybe broad strokes. Like how, how are we able to distinguish between these two types of, of tasks? I would say, and this is maybe being a little bit blunt about it, mm. but in my experience in, in teaching photographers and in helping photographers and in researching these concepts, I would say that about 80% of the work that most photographers do on a day-to-day -day basis could be eliminated completely with no repercussion, negative repercussion on their business. Mm. I guess the um, measurement that I would suggest using is this. And this actually ties into another another sort of theory that I that I like to talk about. We can talk about too. If you were to go on vacation tomorrow, and you had a bunch of things to get done today before your vacation came tomorrow, what would you be doing? What would those things be? What would that list look like? Whatever those things are, that's the important work in your business. Anything else like browsing Facebook or tinkering with a website or being sucked into the the never ending funnel of email. Those things aren't really as important, not to say that they don't have to get done, but they're not necessarily as important if you look at the level of meaningfulness. I don't know. I just made up a word myself then. <laughs> meaningfulness. If you, if you look at those things, you know, like what would you do the day before a vacation? Those are the things that are more important in your work. But also look at what you're doing in terms of like what are you trying to accomplish with your business? What are you trying to actually do? Because a lot of the times we're doing things that we might in the moment think is important. But later on, when we have a chance to reflect about it, we realize that it isn't as important as we maybe thought it was. I know that recently, Ben, you had um, uh, Heidi on your podcast. Yeah. And I remember uh, Heidi was talking about this concept that I – and I love this concept. It's the idea of being in CEO mode versus worker bee mode. Mm -hmm. um, it's a wonderful concept. Uh, I first heard about that through a podcast called The Fizzle Podcast. And uh, I've really used it um, as a basis of a lot of what, what I do in terms of teaching these kinds of things because – it's the idea of working on your business versus working in your business. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to make the distinction ahead of time. What's important? What is the work that needs to get done? What is the work that's actually going to move the needle for us? And that way, when you're in the moment, you don't have to make those kinds of decisions. When we're in the business, when we're being the worker bee, when we're actually doing the work of running our business, 
we shouldn't be making decisions about where our time is best spent, but instead we should be doing that ahead of time. So we make the decision once we say, here are the boundaries, here are the sort of, here's the box that I need to be working within and then do that once you're actually working in the business. Yeah, I, I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was discussed with Heidi. I know that this is a common uh, discussion, especially among entrepreneurs. I was listening to Pat Flynn's podcast, and he was talking about, you know, dividing up your time in terms of, like, you know, what are the things that, uh, and I can't recall all the quadrants, but, like, that that y- you personally have to actually be a part of, you know, and not just that you have to be a part of, but that will then generate revenue for you. Like what are the money making tasks that you have to do? Um, and, and isolating those and then delegating or eliminating the rest. So maybe, maybe let's be even more specific here. Uh, and maybe just like brain dump, you know, just like Mm. just toss out a bunch of ideas. Like what, what are, what are your lists of tasks that you feel like we can find systems for that we can delegate out to, we can outsource or just completely eliminate. And maybe we don't even have to unpack all of them, but I just kind of want to like hear from you and maybe I'll contribute a few myself of, of all these tasks that you feel like are, are unnecessary. So I would say, um, I think the list is much smaller if you go the other way. So I'll, I'll quickly share that, like and, that. Then, and then, <laughs> and then like, I'll spitball on the other side of things. So I think the things that we should be spending our time as solopreneurs, as photographers, as the business owner are things, big things like biz dev, so actually making decisions about your business and strategic decisions about where you want to go. We should be photographing and we should be meeting with people. Hmm. Those are the three most important areas that we can put our time. Anything else outside of that can either be delegated, automated, systematized, streamlined, and we can save a lot of time in doing that. Yeah, I have a feeling that it's got to be so hard for for listeners to kind of like swallow and like implement, you know, like the actual it's like, oh, it's all well and good. Like hearing Brian and Ben chat about, (laughs) you know, eliminating all these things, but then to go back and actually create create steps in, in their life that, that they can follow through with. And so what what do you recommend as far as like actual action steps for people to take to begin to, uh, to focus up? I would say, look at your business, look at what you do on a daily basis. And I think this is again, where we come back to the idea of awareness. I think awareness is, or I don't think, I know awareness needs to be the first step. You need to be aware of what you're doing and where you're spending your time. I actually recommend um, tracking every hour, every 15-minute time chunk of every day for a week Hmm. to see where your time is being spent. Because I think a lot of the times we're under this false impression of, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not wasting time. But then if you were to look back at your time and say, oh, I spent three hours on Facebook or I spent, you know, 10 hours on this Creative Live course, not doing anything but watching the Creative Live course – um, I think that we can be a little bit more critical when we look back at things like that and actually have a good thing to measure off of. I mean, it's it's a concept that every industry knows of, and the one that I can point to directly most specifically is the weight loss industry. Mm-hmm. The first rule they say when you want to lose weight is start measuring, like weigh yourself every day so you can see the improvement because there's a saying that goes, what you measure, you improve. And so unless you can actually be aware of where you're spending your time, only then can you make the decision on how to spend it differently. So make kind of like a, a, of a, a spreadsheet if you want. I mean, 
There's apps that you can do this in. One that I love is called Rescue Time. If you're spending a lot of your time on the computer, um, it'll actually track every minute of where you spend your time. And it's kind of a scary thought. That's terrifying, Brian. It's so terrifying. <laughs> but you know what? Awareness is going to make – it's almost like – I remember when I first installed Rescue Time a couple years ago when I first started getting into these ideas. Um, I was almost – purposefully not wasting time because I knew that I'd be making some important decisions later on that week about how my time was spent. And I didn't want to see that I had Facebook open for 10 hours that week. So I was actually intentionally not wasting time so that I could kind of trick myself once I reviewed things. But in the process of doing so, I didn't waste time and I got so much more done. So it ended up working for me. Just the process of knowing that I was being monitored by myself may be more accountable to myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think in doing that, like once you know where you're spending your time, you can start to make some decisions about, well, where is my time best spent? If you spend all this time doing bookkeeping, for example, I'll use bookkeeping as an example because I think it's one that um, many photographers feel that they should be doing their own bookkeeping. And it's something that I'm all too well aware of um, in having developed and running Sprout Studio over here. We currently don't have a bookkeeping module within Sprout Studio. And we do that intentionally because our mission, our whole, uh, our whole philosophy behind what we do with Sprout Studio is to help photographers take back control of their life and not spend time in the meaningless tasks in their business. And in my opinion, if you're going to spend four or five, six hours a week on bookkeeping and entering data in QuickBooks, reconciling bank accounts, doing all these things, and you were to do that four or five, six hours a week, and yet you could pay a bookkeeper... 150 bucks a month to do that for you. I mean, my mental math on, on the top of my head is not good on that one, but I mean, that means that your time is worth like seven bucks an hour if you're trying to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Is our time really best spent doing that? Or if we were to take that exact same amount of time and put it into having a weekly networking lunch with a different person every week, I think that we'd get much more return out of something like that than we would out of trying to reconcile our bank accounts. So looking at things like that and saying, where is my time best spent? Where am I spending time in places that maybe I shouldn't be spending time? In the sense that, is this something that needs my unique touch? So something as simple as editing. I know this is an example that's used often, but I'm a huge proponent of either systematizing your editing so that you can get in and out of a wedding in less than an hour, and if you can't create a system that does that, then maybe you want to consider outsourcing your editing, at least to get you to the 90% mark. You know, The basic color correction, the basic exposure adjustments, the basic curves uh, adjustments, those can all be done by anyone. That doesn't need your unique touch. And so why are you spending your time doing those things that don't uniquely need you? Yeah, I totally agree. We just had a chance to... Um, talk to Jared Bauman over at shoot.edit and uh, yeah absolutely I mean all about that kind of stuff and on top of it too one of the things that I'm just going to kind of add a, add a further point here is even um, editing is a great example but one I think that uh, escapes a lot of photographers minds um, that doesn't escape other entrepreneurs minds actually is emails is is like uh, actually responding to emails and and that you can have an office manager and they don't even have to be in your office you can have a mm-hmm. virtual assistant um, helping you manage that type of client communication and it's something that I don't see a lot of photographers doing but um, it can be a huge can be a huge like sanity and time saver so uh, okay 
you you dropped the uh, S- uh, Sprout Studios. Um, I know that this is something that you've been working on for a couple of years now, and is is been out in market what, for the the last month or so. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about Sprout Studio. Uh, you know, from my understanding, again, this is a this is a client management software, but it's more than that, right? And so, like, what is Sprout Studio, and how really can it help us uh, change our business uh, for 2016? Uh, yeah, thank you for for giving me a chance to talk about it. So, uh, I think it's actually perfectly timed with this conversation because. Um, if photographers are still with us, you know, 35 minutes into it now, they, they obviously um, care about their relationship with time. They care about how they spend their time and they care about making a change in their life so that they can take back some of their time. And really, that's the whole purpose behind why we created Sprout Studio. It is basically designed to help photographers spend less time on the business mechanics, on the business management, on the client correspondence side of things so they can get back to doing what they love to do in their business, which is photography. And if they don't do that, they can get back to having balance in their life and actually spend time with their family, with their friends, with their children. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we created Sprout Studio. And basically it was created um, from an idea that I had about two years ago. Um, I've been a photographer, Ben, for about 10 years now, a wedding photographer. and. I actually went to school for computer science, so I have a very technical way of looking at things and of seeing things. And I've always been about systems and automating and delegating and and creating a streamlined workflow. And yet I found myself two years ago where I was thinking, gosh, running a photography business shouldn't be this complicated. You know, if I photograph Jay and Mary's wedding, I have to put them in my studio management software. And then after their wedding, I have to put them into the online gallery software to give them the, their, their photos online. And then when their proofs are ready, I have to make them, back then it was you know CDs or now it's USB keys to give them their, their files. If I'm designing them a wedding album, I have to design it in a different app and then I have to go and upload it or send it as a PDF or, or proof it in a different application. And you know if I'm invoicing them, maybe it was a different application. If I was sending them a questionnaire, it was a different application. There was all these different things that I was having to do for the same client that involved me going into different places to do different things. And it was complicated. It was non-intuitive. It was unclear. It was a lot of wasted time. And almost more importantly, the experience that my client had with me was very inconsistent because their gallery would look one way, the email would come through for the album proof in a different way, and then all these things wouldn't be able to talk to each other. So I said two years ago, there's got to be a better way, and I looked for one and there wasn't. (laughs) So I set out to make what is now Sprout Studio, and we've now spent the past two years in development. Uh, We've got a team of 14 here now from developers to designers to customer service to marketing to myself who's the CEO of the company. And um, basically the whole idea is that we're taking all these individual functions that, that in some ways exist independently and we bring them all into the same roof. So Sprout Studio does studio management, which includes questionnaires and invoices and contracts and emails and everything that you'd want out of a studio management software. But it doesn't stop there. It also does online galleries. And it doesn't stop there. It also does digital fulfillment. So you can have your clients download their high-resolution files right from their online gallery. It doesn't stop there. It does album proofing. It does 
um, what we call sales gallery, which is basically what a lot of photographers do for in-person sales. So you can use Sprout Studio for in-person sales or if you don't want to do it in person or if you don't have the time or whatever your excuse is for not doing it in person, you can have the in-person sales gallery as an online experience that your clients walk through and put their images on their wall and order wall portraits and that kind of thing. So it's this all-in-one system that does everything in one place so it makes your life easier and more organized, but it also makes the experience that you give your client much more refined. That's awesome, man. I feel like the only thing it's missing is like uh, your own personal like associate to like just do it all for you. <laughs> you can do that, I mean. Well, like, well, actually, let me tell you about something else. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I recognize um, in making Sprout Studio with our team is that um, it's obviously it has the potential to be a big piece of software because it is replacing what you might use six or seven different pieces of software to do currently. Mm-hmm. So the process of setting it up and getting your information in there and setting up systems and all that, um, we, although we've put an intense amount of time and energy into making that seamless and streamlined, we've actually taken it to the next step. If you're a photographer that you know, maybe you're, you've been saying, oh, yeah, you know, I really should write some email templates so that I can somewhat automate the process of emails. Ben, you talked about that a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of photographers are always meaning to do that, but just never have the time to actually get in and do it. <laughs> or they're meaning to make templates of something else, but they just never have the chance to do it. So in Sprout Studio, we actually have a whole functionality that we call Sprout Library, where it's my ability to interject my expertise and my uh, understanding and knowledge of copywriting and psychology and client correspondence and everything that I do through teaching photographers. It's my way of making that available for free within Sprout Studio. So if you go into Sprout Studio and you go into the email section, you can actually click the Sprout Library button and you can see over 30 email templates that I've already written for you. You can click it and say copy this and it'll copy it right into your account as if you wrote it from scratch and then you can customize it as you see fit or you can use it as is. Now we do that for email templates, for questionnaires, for workflows, for messages, for a whole bunch of things within Sprout Studio, we've literally predefined almost to an extent an entire franchise for a photography business so you can get in there, not only streamline your workflow and organize your business, but you can actually get started further ahead than you were without it because we provide all these things for you optionally. That's awesome. I love the educational aspect. Just inherently built right into the software. And I feel like that's unique because a lot of these software companies, um, client management, rather, uh, companies that, that exist today, there's a, you know, obviously a handful, mm-hmm. um, are, aren't built by photographers, right? And so it's neat that like there's a photographer who actually understands the needs and wants uh, and verbiage that goes yeah. along with that to kind of set you up for success and, and educate you on maybe uh, techniques or new ideas or ways to, to do things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the things that I've really studied a lot over the past couple of years is the art of copywriting. And just to be clear for photographers that maybe are misunderstanding (laughs) that, I don't mean copywriting as in like trademarking something. I mean copywriting the process of writing persuasively 
to convince a point of view. So I've applied what I know and what I've learned about copywriting and put that into the email templates. So the email templates that you're using in Sprout Studio or that you can choose to use from Sprout Library are using proven copywriting techniques, using the psychology of my the experience that I have in dealing with customers and in selling. So if you don't like selling, if you don't understand how to write persuasive copy or how to write an email that lets people take action or helps people take action, I've done that for you already and you can use those as is. That's really awesome. I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of copywriting in like all aspects of your business. Um, so that's that's awesome, man. Um, well, Brian, dude, thank you so much for uh, for all this. Honestly, inspiring, but also very like um, practical, actionable information um, as we're going into uh, this holiday season and into the new year. I mean, you guys, this is the time to take control um, of your business, to, to take control of your life and to begin to to turn what was a passion of yours, you know, this like whole idea of like an art and, and make it <laughs> something that works on your behalf and, and give you your life back, you know? Um, this is the time to do it. So, Brian, this has been awesome and inspiring for myself as well. Hey, cool. Thanks, Ben. Do you mind if I share a little story to kind of finish up the whole idea and tie a little bow around the whole thing? I love it. Go for Great. it. Okay. So there's a story that I, uh, or a sort of a theory, I guess, if you will, that I had read about in a book called Better Than Before by an author by the name of Gretchen Rubin. And it's called The Paradox of the Growing Heap. And the story goes like this. If I were to give you a coin, would you call yourself rich? And the answer, of course, would be no. If I were to give you another coin, would you call yourself rich? Of course, the answer is no. But if I were to consistently give you a coin after a coin after a coin, at some point, you would have to say that you're rich. And although not one coin made you rich, it's the sum of all the coins and consistently getting a coin, coin after coin after coin, that made you rich. And so my point in saying that is one action, like taking something away from this podcast and taking action on one thing, making one small change, will not make a big difference in your life. However, if you do that one action and you change your habits and you dedicate yourself to making a change after a change after a change and you repeat these things and you make a commitment to make this part of your new life, eventually over time, it's the sum of those changes that will make a huge impact on your life. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Brian, thank you so much. Dude, where can people find you? Where can people find Sprout Studio and learn more about that? Yeah, cool. So if you are interested in learning more about this Redefined Busy Movement, which is the sort of uh, series of articles that I'm writing uh, that is along this vein of conversation and going even deeper into more of the action steps about how you can take control of your life, you can just visit redefinebusy.com. That'll link you to the first article. And then at the bottom of that, we'll have a link to all the other articles in the series. Uh, so redefinebusy.com is where you can go for that. Sproutingphotographer.com is where I do all of my writing about the business of being creative. It's also where we have our podcast. And if you're interested in checking out Sprout Studio, you can visit getsproutstudio.com. Getsproutstudio.com. Very cool. All those links are going to be in the show notes as well, guys. So, Brian, thanks again. I'm going to make sure to check all that out myself, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. 
Today's episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast is supported by Fundy Designer. Fundy is one of the most important tools for our business. We are able to design a 50-page album in 10 minutes with its patented drop zone technology and then proof and sell all inside of the same system. Find out more at fundydesigner.com. And by the Photo Booth Supply Company. Having a photo booth is one of the best options to consider when wanting to maximize profits and diversify your income. The Photo Booth Supply Company is hands down the best system available to photographers. It is simple to use, fully customizable, compact, and beautifully designed. Head on over to photoboothsupplyco.com for more information. The mental shift that Brian is talking about here uh, is is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Breaking a bad habit is a very difficult thing to do, but I wanted to just reiterate how powerful this can be for you. When you become uh, aware of the poor decisions, to be quite honest, that we make on a daily basis. I mean, if I can actually become aware of, of the time that I'm wasting and, and the actions that are causing uh, points of failure within my my business and my life, that will do wonders for you. And so my encouragement is this, don't do it alone, all right? Surround yourself with like-minded people who have these same goals. And maybe you can't do this on a on a one-to-one basis, in person, uh, daily. But continue to listen uh, to the podcast of people who are like-minded, who are inspired and inspiring, and who are on the trajectory that you want to be on, right? Continue to, uh, to to read books that will help to align your mind and continue to remind you day after day that, that this is the correct path, all right? It's going to be really hard to do in an isolated vacuum. So you guys, this has been an incredible episode. I'm so thankful for, for everything that Brian uh, had. Please go check out his podcast as well. I think he'd be a fantastic resource for you. And um, we're going to continue to be that as well. So thanks again for listening, you guys. My name is Ben Hartley, sixfigurephotography.com. Go ahead and take a look there for further resources as you're getting uh, inspired, as you're focusing up, and as you're eliminating and becoming aware of, of the distractions in your life. We'll talk soon, guys.